0: Welcome to Impact Mindset. Uh, This is the podcast for entrepreneurs and professionals, bringing you the best ideas and people to help grow your startup in today's marketplace. Each week, we deliver interviews, tips, and tools to inspire, train, and support you in your entrepreneurship journey. I'm your host, Bruno Fon. Today with me is uh, Kobe Ampoma. Uh, Kobe is a human resource professional with almost 20 years of experience. He is the owner and director of JLN Recruitment and is a strong believer in diversity and inclusion. Uh, in this sense, a key element in Kobe's work is supporting companies with recruitment efforts with diversity-focused hiring. In addition to founding GLN Recruitment Kobe is talent acquisition lead at uh, Otrium, an online fashion outlet marketplace featuring designer stores on One App. Uh, Mr. Kobe has also served as head of talent acquisition at uh, Travix International and similar roles with companies serving clients within Europe and around the world. Besides his regular day-to-day work, Ah, uh, Kobe is passionate about serving others, making the world a better place, and a mentor to black students and young professionals. Kobe was born in Ghana, and as a toddler, accompanied his parents who saw refuge in the Netherlands in the 1980s. Welcome to the podcast, Kobe.
1: Thank you for having me, uh, Bruno. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, to talk to a brother of mine. Um, we recently just met, but. Uh, I'm happy to be here to share, you know, my experiences and, uh, you know, some thoughts on our different topics today.
0: Right. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm just wondering because, well, we've talked before and just for the benefit of uh, uh, my listeners, just to kind of provide an overview of your personal background and your career
1: over the years. Um, Originally, I'm from Ghana. Um, I came to the Netherlands when I was uh, 11 years old and the reason why is that my father was a political refugee uh, who got him who got his asylum in the netherlands and um in 88 you know two years later uh he could reunite with his family and his family consists of myself my three sisters my mom um and uh, we we started you know building let's say uh, a life in, in in the netherlands um we Came through uh, uh, Amnesty International. I was thinking, pointing out that there are great organizations uh, uh, in the world supporting people who will have a refugee uh, background in, in landing in different situations to better themselves. All right. um, uh, and in the Netherlands, you know, when we came, obviously the first priority was to make sure that we uh, learned the language, uh, which was new, um, and try to integrate in, in the Netherlands. Uh, in, in school, uh, and my dad and mom were very big advocates in, in uh, making sure that you know you do your schoolwork, um, you know, um, focus in, in, in class, and, and not try to be a joker. So that has always been something very important for the family, and it also, you know, it's from actually generations uh, to make sure that you can stand on your own on two feet when you have you know, mature, grown, and, and have some educational background. Um, I went into uh, uh, HR, and the reason why is that I wanted um, an education where uh, people were the focus of whatever we did. So, you know, in conversation with a few deacons, uh, I enrolled into Hogeschool of Amsterdam, mm-hmm. where I actually, you know, graduated after four years in human resources. Uh, with a few internships. Um, I was also a, a basketball uh, player, uh, so I was a basketball athlete. Right. And uh, lucky enough, you know, I had a, a, a sponsorship with Nike for two years, um, which was great. But then I also got an opportunity when I was done with my studies to actually apply for a position at Nike uh, started my career there as a, you know, an HR representative, uh, as they call it. And in in the broad sense of the word, an HR representative is somebody who, you know, is part of the HR team and is answering different questions that come, you know, to the HR team. So I would be, you know, uh, my paycheck is 10 euros more or 10 euros less. I would like to, you know, request for a um, transportation card. Uh, I'm sick. What do I need to do? All these questions, you know, came to the HR. Uh, box and you know I, I, I follow up on, on that and you know by understanding that the basics you know on, on HR I evolved into what we call international mobility which was uh, supporting Nike employees who were being transferred in uh, uh, different parts of the business and different parts of the worlds and then coordinating uh, all of this uh, uh, for them um and that's where i actually fell in love into recruitment because you know by doing that job it actually told me hey you know you could actually have a conversation with people within your organization who may fit a different role within the part of the business for them to evolve so that's where my whole recruitment you know uh um let's say uh experience uh and the first time i was involved in in, in things like and I, I took a gravitate to that because my personality is also somebody who is always willing to connect, somebody who is always with the help. So that really helped me.
0: How did you uh, choose human resource? What was the was there something in your uh, in your background or in your educational career that sort of got you into human resource specifically? Because I kind of like see your trajectory of uh, in your professional life, you sort of uh, decided to choose human resource. As, as a career path, rather than say, when you worked at, at Nike, like uh, mm-hmm. you would have chosen say to go with the sports side of, uh, with, the, with the athletic side of your uh, of your life. What,
1: um, I think um, what what I learned, especially in the Netherlands as well, uh, especially because my parents were not from the Netherlands. If you look at the educational system, um, there are a few choices that you need to make as you mm-hmm. progress in the educational system. Uh, and I think it's very difficult, you know, for, you know, um, uh, young kids to make a decision on, you know, which career they would like to pursue. So for me, it was much more about, you know, what do I actually like? What what what, what do I have a passion for? And I, I, I figured out that, you know, um, if I could do any uh, professional uh, job where the essence of what it is is evolving around people, I think that right start in the right direction uh, to do because my mom actually was a banker my mom uh, started her career in banking I also have a few aunties and, and uncles who started their professional career there so that was also my trajectory so I have a you know a degree in, in the banking and insurance as well right. uh, but then I figured out no that's not really what I want to do because obviously evolved around numbers and uh, analytics but I was like I want to do something around people so th- that's that's where what I did. And, and, and to be honest, I also spoke to like three different deacons from different schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, f- I think two of those conversations um, uh, both indicate human resource is, you know, uh, um, uh, a direction that I could do because it evolves very around people
0: right and and my my the second time this is the second time we are speaking, and I realize that hmm Kobe is a real people person, and I think that <laughs> that that is sort of uh the kind of trajectory that you you would love you know talking with people interacting with people, and sort of um uh, sort of getting to know people more and finding out what what they are and 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 being a kind of um a catalyst to finding what is best for
1: them within within the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, to be honest, um, um, you know, when you are, when you gain more experience and also when you find out about, you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are, um, you try to translate into something that you are passionate about. And for me, I was always, you know, uh, the person who brought people together, you know, I always have people coming around my house. Uh, I always have, you know, saying, hey, Bruno, maybe you need to talk to this guy because they can help you with that. Um, and also I'm very approachable. I think that's also very important, uh, in, in being, you know, in, in the HR field. Um, nowadays, if you can talk about HR, it's like, you know, the policy makers, you know, the, the police. Um, so you need to have some kind of, I think, you know, uh, approachability towards that, that people feel comfortable approaching you, talking to, you know, you about different, uh, subject. Uh, you may not be the subject uh, matter expert, but at least you can guide them through, you know, where they need to go. So that has always been something that I I, I love to do. And uh, uh, it has helped me also along the way, because, you know, when you are somebody who can connect, people also, you know, uh, appreciate you. And also willing to do things for you in in a positive light.
0: Right. Uh, What change have you seen uh, within recruitment and human resource development over the last uh, decade?
1: I think, you know, when you look at the different changes in in, uh, human resources, uh, initially Human resources was seen as a function uh, that was very administrative heavy, right? So, you know, you talk about, you know, making sure that people get paid, uh, making sure that, you know, people get registered in, in the right way. People have the right insurances. Uh, um, uh, so very administrative heavy. Uh, I think what has happened over the last maybe two decades uh, uh, and more so maybe in the last decade is the evolution of being a much more strategic partner. Right. So you hear this a lot about, you know, human resources and having a seat at the table. Um, What that means is that, you know, you are a strategic partner uh, that can help an organization, you know, move into the right direction. Um, So I I think a lot of companies uh, have seen the added value that the human resource department can play. And as a result of that, more and more leaders are getting a seat at a table, so they call. Um, and if you look at it, let's say in the past, there was not always, you know, uh, human resources part of the C-suite, right? Right. Now right. You have chief HR officers. Um, you have head of people. Uh, have people who are responsible for the people and culture. So you have seen a lot of, uh, um, you know, evaluation when it comes to the human resource profession. And I think, you know, having a seat at a table that is very important.
0: Yeah that has been that's a very dramatic change right moving from the functional to the strategic uh, has there been any sort of um besides the change in in the role has there been any pushback to the kind of role that uh, human resource departments have within within organizations because the understanding is that the human resource department within uh, a specific organization is, is really respo- is, or is responsible and answerable to uh, to the c suite and not really dealing with those on the work floor is that is that trend has that trend changed or is
1: it sort of the same Well I think it 's changed a bit um, at the end of the day. human resources is for the organization right so the company all right. well, the human capital that that 's very important. Uh, however, uh, I think human resource uh, is doing a good job in educating leaders that the human capital uh, that they invest in, in terms of salary, plays an incre- uh, uh, incremental part in shaping, evolving and directing the business as well, right? right? So if you don't treat your people well, it will have a negative impact, either in you know, revenue, either in culture either in people leaving your organization and obviously recruitment. That's why I think recruitment is also a very important pillar in an organization because recruitment is, you know, the key responsibility within the recruitment slash talent acquisition is bringing in talent within your organization, right? Correct. Correct. And you need talent to be able to, you know, uh, either generate revenue or if you are in the growth uh, part of, of your organization, Or what they sometimes say is, you know, the the business is in a transformation phase, and typically is is becoming much more mature, where you may need different types of people. So I think you know the traditional way of looking at HR, um, having a seat at the table and being a strategic partner is also helping organization think differently how they should utilize their uh, uh, employees, and as a result of that, you know, if you do a good job at that. That translate into, you know, an organization where people want to be part of, where there's a lot of collaborativeness happening, where, you know, uh, it will also generate, bottom line uh, a revenue stream or an improved revenue stream. So I think that's how I would answer that question.
0: Yeah, because I think that is even more relevant in this in this age, uh, in this age and time when the market is becoming more and more uh, mobile, as it were. And the landscape of, uh, of the workforce is changing, of course, because of the expansion of the internet and online work. I think that is, change- that is changing quite a lot. What is then the role of, um, or what would be, say, a redefined role of human resource department within the context of the workplace that is changing so much, or that is sort of having a combination of the online work mm-hmm. and Say uh, offline face-to-face work, is there any change in the approach?
1: I, th- I think so. Um, I think you know um, originally, uh, and obviously you have a few companies who are uh, uh, have started and are doing a great job at it, is facilitating the flexibility when it comes to your workforce, right? So right. When I'm thinking about you know what is needed for somebody to do their job? Is it physically presence the important? or is it creating uh, a platform where people can collaborate, uh, where people can meet, where people can discuss, where people can come with creative ideas. Um, and obviously, you know, um, you see a lot of companies where the physicality of physically being present was important, but over time that is really changing um, because, you know, when you need talent, talent is not always available in your market, right? right. It's also a huge investment uh, to bring talent into your organization. So I think companies have looked at, okay, if we need talent, what's the best way to go about it? And I think what you're seeing is that, you know, the Internet is providing a platform in how we can communicate with each other, where... Um, you know, uh, information flow is, is fast paced. Um, it's not, you know, 24 hours before you get a response, right? right. It could be only five hours or six hours or even quicker because you have people in different uh, parts of the continent that have access, let's say to internet, uh, or to different platform where you can communicate better with each other. So I think that if you look at technology has, um, you know, um, helped organization speed up the process. Uh, and I think that you know companies also need to facilitate flexibility in what is important to the employee.
0: Yeah, that is a a key aspect of it. And I was wondering how do you use say, the social media platforms in your recruitment effort? Do companies or do your clients, because your clients are the companies uh, doing the hiring and you're doing the acquisition, how do you do you u- utilize Social media tools to sort of source talent for your clients
1: Yes, I I think, I think um, um, social media is very important. Um, typically what you hear is that companies talk about the um, employee value proposition right so um, uh, and what, what does it what does it mean? It's, you know how can we translate what we are doing in a company uh, uh, externally because if you don't know a company, you, you, then you don't know how it is to maybe work there, right? right. right. Uh, you don't know what the culture is like. So what typically companies do is they they think through, you know, the different persona that you can encounter within the organization. Uh, they're building how it's best to communicate with, you know, their audience, mm-hmm. The audience being a young population, mm-hmm. uh, middle, uh, older. It depends on, obviously, the business you are in. Uh, and then where are your talent then? You know, uh, um, communicating or where, what kind of platform do they use to receive information? And then you figure out is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? You know, uh, there are different platforms that you can uh, utilize. There's also a lot of job boards where, you know, mm-hmm. uh, talent people are part of the community uh, so that you can, they can receive information and, and share information and reshare information. So I think social media is very important for companies uh, because it's translating uh, uh, the message of, you know, if you are interested in working for us, this is how it looks like. These are the people who work there. This is how we like to communicate. Uh, but also they share a lot of the values. You know, what kind of values uh, uh, is important to the company? And then you as an individual can think about, oh, does it resonate to me? Is it the same purpose uh, that I want to get behind? So I think social media is definitely very important. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and I'm wondering, the, well, right now we have this idea of people having an online persona. And so you, you you definitely kind of see the expression of individuals, what it is that they do online. Mm-hmm. They create a kind of an online persona. Does that have any effect sometimes in, in, in hiring? Because I'm always curious. For example, you see the lifestyle someone has on mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And as, a, as an employer directly, mm-hmm. I would be thinking to myself, I wouldn't hire this person yeah but you, as a, a consultant a talent uh, acquisition broker you, mm-hmm. you might actually
1: suggest no not not so yeah that- well, <laughs> I, th- I think i think it's uh, um um i can go different ways w- with my answer but what i what i would say is that if you look at social media uh i think every individual needs to use that wisely, right? Because social media is an extension of yourself, right? right? So if you're portraying something which potentially could have a negative effect on yourself or being hired, maybe that's not a smart thing to do, right? Uh, and I'll use um, uh, um, an example of, you know, I've heard, unfortunately, you know, recruiters uh, go to Facebook and, you know, scan somebody's uh, profile and have seen some uh, inappropriate behavior, right? As a result, people are then not hired um, um, for an opportunity. And I think obviously that's very hard, uh, but I also think that, you know, as an individual, you need to think about, you know, what am I putting out? You know, what kind of perception do I want people to have of me? Uh, And if you don't want people to have that perception, then you need to make sure that, you know, your platform is secure that you don't have any people uh who potentially would be at an employer linked to you so for example myself what i uh, uh one of my rules that i have is that if we are working together uh at a company unfortunately you cannot be part of my social media uh platform and in my case i'm talking about facebook or instagram right the reason why is that two reasons one, one is i am part of the hr team right so it's always very uh, sensitive. Uh, and se- secondly, I think that th- that is uh, 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 my personal space, right? So I don't want per se people in a professional setting to be in my personal space. And sometimes it, it means that I'll lose maybe 20 people on off, off my platform because I'm working at a company that maybe I'm uh, not joined. Uh, but but that's my personal rule that I have in place. And some people understand that. And some people are like, oh, that's a little bit too extreme. But that's how i uh, uh um you know i've set the boundaries for myself
0: right it's important to have those kind of boundaries you yeah. know? And, and for you you maintain you have that as a standard as a standard for yourself Ooh. i was wondering uh, your work at uh otrium uh, mm-hmm. how, how does that translate to uh to your personal philosophy of how the workplace should be i know that you are diversity and inclusion uh facilitator how is that expressed within uh within otrium
1: Well, you know, I recently started with Otyom and uh, in my conversation with them, I spoke to one of the co-founders and, you know, he mentioned in his conversation with me that, you know, diversity, diversity, inclusion and belonging is very important for organization. Uh, And they have partnered actually with an external uh, party to look at, you know, uh, different topics they could address. Right. Um, So I was very excited to hear that. Right uh and my responsibility of helping them bring in talent you know uh we're going to see how we can we can blend those elements uh together from a perspective of what is important to the company and also what i bring to the table uh you know i have a, a diverse portfolio of 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 candidates mm-hmm. um i have a uh a, a diverse approach in, into how i recruit uh and i'd like to highlight you know uh different minority groups that are out there as well who are in my opinion also very talented um and, and i was very very happy to see you know uh at the african uh, diaspora summit right right um, uh, which was uh, uh coordinated by uh, by omac uh and and our brother uh kimo uh is that i saw a lot of professional you know black professional talent uh in my opinion, for the first time, all in one place, um, which is a beautiful thing to, to see because these are all professionals who take, obviously, their work very seriously uh, and in very talented in articulating uh, uh, what is important to them, how they could contribute to organization. So, obviously, you know, being connected with OMAC Uh, And and, and also, you know, learning about new people, that is also something that I bring to any organization, not only Autrium, but also a lot of organizations that I potentially will partner up with in the future.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you just mentioned the African Diaspora uh, Summit. That's where definitely we met, just for the benefit of my listeners. That's definitely where I met Kobe. And And that is why I decided to say I would like to have him on the show, because... I was so impressed with the uh, the participation at the African diaspora summit. And, and I thought, well, just like yourself, well, this is one of the few times that I've seen so many of our, our, our professionals, our professionals of black background, African professionals get together. And it, it, it sort of, it gives me a sense of joy actually to really think in terms of, well, in a place like the Netherlands, if we think in terms of say, if we are in a predominantly uh, black nation, black state, well, it's not doubtful that we have black professionals coming together, but in a predominantly white environment to have uh, this, 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 caliber of professionals getting together is really, really encouraging. And you mentioned that in your work, you sort of uh, bring in your, your philosophy of diversity and inclusion. The, the question is, do you, what are the kind of challenges that you face in, in that approach?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think initially, um, you know, I've been in the talent access space for, I think, almost 12 years now. And, you know, the challenge that a lot of companies face is that they don't have, um, you know, uh, where do we find these talents? So in terms of platforms or, you know, networking groups, uh, I think that the last years, a lot of, you know, uh, especially, you know, um, uh, Africans or black uh, um, talented individuals are creating much more groups uh, and also being represented in in a way like, hey, we are professionals, we have degrees, you know, we can contribute uh, uh, to an organization. So uh, I've seen that more uh, and, and, and in my particular case, you know, because I'm black, because, you know, in my opinion, I got a chance to start a life in the Netherlands. I make an effort to reach out to those different communities and say, Hey guys, you know, I'm here. If you need help, I can support. Uh, if you want to apply for an opportunity for a company I'm working for, reach out. We can have a discussion. Uh, and I'm trying to also utilize my voice in, 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 you know, in, in being a Roma because, you know, uh, there's not a lot of people, you know, let's say of color, uh, in, you know, senior, uh, um, uh, positions in organizations. Right. Uh, because if you see that, then you aspire uh, to 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 be one, uh, and I think that you know um, that is that is very important. And and I talk about it in in one of the podcasts where we talk about mentoring. I was fortunate enough to be mentored, you know, 18 years ago. So I've also included it into my approach. Uh, uh, I think that you know mentoring also helps you, uh, uh, you know, uh, have a conversation with somebody who can share different insight that you may not have thought about to give you a different perspective um so i think all these these elements also help uh and i'm that's what i'm trying to do as well is you know uh share my knowledge share my experiences so that you know people who are coming uh let's say behind us don't have to go through those hoops uh and, and have maybe an easier way on getting opportunities that they also deserve yeah. And this
0: is the heart of what uh, we are trying to do also, you know, to sort of provide a platform for people like yourself who are, who serve as role models to the younger generation to sort of really for them to know that they can aspire to, to greater things in, in the Netherlands and in Europe, wherever uh, they are based. And now talking about mentorship, how do you, sort of encourage young people to move away from the sense of being victims
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: to one of being, or um, well, having the ability to, to define their role, having uh, the sense of accomplishment for themselves. Mm-hmm. Because increasingly, I see uh, the attitude of, listen, we are victims of racism, we are in victims of systematic racism how how do you get them to have the understanding that yes there are these issues within society but you do have the agency
1: mm-hmm. well i think I think it, it comes with a few things one is that um uh, you need to make sure that you're prepared you know when an opportunity comes so you know um if you you play uh the victim uh it's not going to get you anywhere right so one of the things that I learned from one of my friends is you know, mm-hmm. need to prepare for an opportunity when it comes to you. Uh, and what, what I mean by that, especially if you're talking around talent acquisition, is uh, when you apply for an opportunity, make sure you understand the role, right? Um, uh, sometimes you may know somebody working at a company. Uh, it, it could be two lines uh, uh, away from you know, knowing out to them. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who you don't know Uh, If you show interest that you are willing uh, um, to at least reach out and say, hey, listen, I see that you're working for this company and, you know, you guys have a few positions that I'm interested in. Do you mind jumping on a call with me for 10 or 15 minutes to get more information? You know, um, I doubt that a lot of people will say no, because, first of all, you work for a company. Uh, um, Typically, they're hiring. Um, there's also a lot of companies have referral bonus. So if you refer somebody to the company, there is a bonus component linked to that. You are, if you work somewhere and you are, you are happy where you are, you're also an ambassador. So any opportunity you have to share with somebody else, uh, um, I would doubt that that person wouldn't want to do that. So I think that I tell you know, uh, people all the time, don't be afraid to reach out. Secondly, you know, sometimes you are even friends with people and you don't really know what they do, right? So uh, one of my friends, um, and it's a long time ago, uh, he said, Kobe, I think I want to be a sales manager. I said, okay, do you know what a sales manager does? He said, well, I think so. I said, do you know who in our friends is a sales manager? He's like, no. I said, okay, you need to talk to this guy because he's actually a sales manager for the last three years. You can have uh, an easy access to him, talk to him about what the job entails And this will potentially help you when you apply and get an opportunity to have a conversation. So sometimes people don't realize that a lot of things that they actually want is in their circle. If not, you know, widen your circle. So I think that's what I'm trying to say uh, as well. Um, And, you know, you need to make sure, coming back to the preparation piece, is that um, there's a lot of things that can be done um, uh, in terms of research, Right um and, and i think that sometimes people just don't do that because they think oh i'll do it the day before but you need to practice you need to really practice uh and i talk about this all the time is when you are sh- when you show interest in a uh, in a, a job or an opportunity you need to think about what is your added value because people are hiring uh, uh, uh talent who are going to add something. Right. You Some don't right. know that, but you need to think about it uh, and articulate it in, in, in the right way. So I tell people talk, talk to your mom, talk to your dad, talk to your sister, tell ask them the question: Hey mom, what do you think I'm good at? Hey dad, what do you think I need to improve? They may have easy examples for you that you can use for your job interview. Because you know, when you were actually at the job interview and they ask you these questions is very hard to then come on the spot with you know with examples and actually the people around you can help you do that
0: right i was wondering because you you know why why is there a sense of um exclusion with, with uh, especially with black um with black students and black uh, professionals let's see mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, in terms of being integrated into the workforce is there an actual uh do you have a sense of um uh, an aspect of systemic uh discrimination within the workforce or is it simply a question of individuals assuming that there is actually uh systemic issues for which they are prevented from being part of the workforce
1: no i, I think i think systemic racism definitely uh exists um and 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 the way that it, it uh, um can Can come across, especially in the, uh, for example, in the application process, is that, you know, people like to choose, you know, uh, uh, profiles that they are familiar with. Um, um, Either, you know, your name is not recognizable or you didn't go to a certain school uh, or your background doesn't per se fit, you know, uh, what you think they are looking for. I, I think. It, it's uh, uh, something that really exists uh, because I've been part of, of teams where you know um, it's not always intentional, uh, but you you go to you know what you know, right? Uh, and I would say that you know if I look at myself, the reason why you know I maybe have a little bit of open minded is because of my background and and, and being a refugee given a second chance. So all these elements play a role in you know how somebody is. Uh, uh, I think. You know um, what people need to realize is that you know by doing that you are excluding uh, um, you know uh, a talent pool that you could have available to you. Um, and also, I do think that you know when you look at let's say the talent uh, looking for opportunities, they may not they may not you know uh, apply for opportunities at companies that don't see representation. So that also happens, right? So you know, if I'm applying for an opportunity at a company where I don't see anybody who looks like me, or there are people in senior positions that don't look like me, I may be hesitant uh, uh, to do that. So then it comes uh, 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 to what is the company also communicating? Are they com- communicating the inclusive? Are they co- communicating that the diversity is important to them? And how does that translate in their messaging, right? Um, so I, I think it's, it's a combination of a few things, but um, the way I tell people is that if you look at the talent acquisition function, I do think you need diverse representation uh, because having a diverse reputation there also opens immediately, in my opinion, the talent pool because, uh, you know, and, and not, not, not to, you know, highlight my brother, but I think he's doing a good job. He's building a community. Uh, um so any 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 time that I would have opportunities that you know uh uh I would share it in in the omic uh community because I know there are you know twenty or thirty thousand talented people also looking for opportunities so i th- I think it's you know where do we advertise you know opportunities uh um I think that's also very important
0: yeah whether whether the companies do have a concerted effort to yes. reach out to a wider pool of of talents yes See if they are restrict if they don't communicate that, they are actually restricting themselves to just a very small pool of, of possible talents.
1: Yes. And 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 what do you hear all the time? You know, there's lack of talent, you know, there's a the scarcity of talent. Uh there's a war for talent. So, you know, my, my approach to a lot of companies would be, hey, if there's a war, how do you widen your pool? How right. do you make sure you are tapping into the different individuals that are out there? And, and to be honest, we're talking about qualified individuals. We're not talking about people who are not qualified, right? right. Um, so I think that's that's very important. So companies need to have a strategy, uh, uh, but they also need to translate those strategies in the efforts and they need to hold people accountable who are potentially blocking, uh, um, let's say, initiative that is being taken. Because, you know, as a recruiter, I may work with the hiring manager who is saying, oh, I don't, wanna, I don't want to see this profile, but then you need to be strong as a recruiter to say, why don't you want to talk to this candidate? Because what we are looking for, actually, he or she is ticking the boxes. So I don't want to stand, and then it, it could be an uncomfortable conversation. So th- that, that's, I think, something that recruiters also need to be, uh, uh, um, you know, be, be cautious of or you know, stand their ground from that perspective.
0: I think on both ways even if a, a, a client your company a company that you work for for example or tells you listen uh copy we don't want this specific kind of profile well they are honest mm-hmm. to tell you we don't want this kind of particular profile mm-hmm. the question always I would ask is why not yeah i mean like you you would ask them of course mm-hmm. why not do they ever give you any good reason why they wouldn't want a specific profile
1: um I want to say that it will give me a reason why. I think, you know, uh, I've matured in my last five years to really have um, a conversation with managers, but also I think, you know, the people that I've hired within the organization who uh, are, are black or are colored are also doing great work. So right. there's also, you know, a, a track record that shows that, you know, the people that I've brought of support and bring into the organization are also doing a good job, right? So, you also have something to show for, right? You cannot fight with people if you don't have anything to show for. So, I think, I think that that's, that's uh, uh, one of the challenges. Um, and especially this year, people are starting to have uncomfortable conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, but also in a workforce, also in terms of the talent acquisition space, you need to be able to challenge your because they're doing themselves a disservice by excluding a talent pool uh, that could potentially help them uh, um, as well.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, how would you define diversity? Do you have a very broad, um, I'm curious about the broadness of your definition of diversity. Do you look, look at it only within a cultural context or do you look at it in terms of,
1: say, ideas and, and, and skills? How, how would you place that? For me, it's a combination because, you know, I've worked for companies where we have 60 nationalities. So you're going to say that company is not diverse, right? Right. Um, Or or that you see that, you know, we have leadership, uh, female leadership at the top. So you're going to say there's not diverse. Um, But the way that I will will position diversity now is that, you know, in my opinion, there's a lot of untapped uh, talent from you know, a minority background. Uh, And, and, you know, in a lot of conversations that I have uh, with them is that they're indicating, you know, know, I'm not getting a response, but a lot of people are also not getting a response, although they may be be a minority, right? So, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to encourage them. I'm trying to uh, to tell them that, you know, your opportunity will come. Just make sure that you will stay prepared. Uh, um, And by in my opinion, by highlighting those, you know, um, uh, talented uh, from a minority background or a black background. What I ideally would like to do in a real example is that, you know, when I present candidates to managers, I tell them they just one of these candidates is a wild card. So they may fit 60 percent or 50 percent of the profile. There may be a match but based on my interaction with this individual. I can see that they are highly motivated. I can see that they really have done their due just in terms of understanding the opportunity, uh, networking with people, trying to get extra information people who are working in the company. And all I'm saying is, hey, it's not that you have to hire them, but give them at least an opportunity to have the conversation, right? So that you can leave the conversation thinking, hey, did I speak to somebody who is motivated, highly motivated and can bring something different maybe to the table? If the answer is yes, then you likely may give them an opportunity. So by doing this more frequently, I try to open up managers' minds or hiring managers' mind in terms of also looking at different talent uh, uh, pools as well, right? Uh, right. And fortunately for me, I've been successful in a few of them. So the next time you have to work with a hiring manager, it's then a little bit easier, right? right. Um, but the first time is always challenging because you need to, you know, uh, Use your influential skills in making sure that they understand where you're coming from. Um, uh, Typically, people don't. So um, when I share my personal story with them, they're like, "Oh, it it also opened their eyes." And I always think that you know, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, is that everybody has their personal story, Mm -hmm. and that personal story is either very close to you, or you're trying to make an impact. And if you're trying to make an impact, what are you t- trying to do to contribute towards the diversity and inclusion conversation? So that's how I look at it.
0: Yeah, and I remember your quote the last time we had this conversation. What's your personal story in relation to diversity and inclusion? That's a very important question individuals
1: have to ask. Yes. Yes. Well, my personal one, you mean?
0: No, yeah. I mean, this is a quote that you, you yeah. sort of had as, as as a kind of a guiding mm-hmm. goal, as it were, yes. to not only employers, but to to us, even as uh, as Africans and and Blacks, your yeah. personal story in relation to diversity and inclusion as yeah. a
1: guiding principle, and I really believe that because if you don't have um, um, a personal story, then you likely would not be motivated to contribute towards that, right? And in yeah. um, generally speaking, we talk about people having passion for what they do. So because I'm passionate about my recruitment, I would like to do everything around that. You know. Uh, I'll read a book around recruitment. I'll go to, you know, a uh, conference because I'm passionate about it. So if diversity and inclusion is important to you and you have a personal story attached to that, then you also make an effort to you know create the change that we also seek. Right. Uh, it, we didn't say we
0: didn't. Uh, we talked in, t- in terms of your. Um, the job that you have uh, as, as a recruiter, mm-hmm. as a talent acquisition broker mm-hmm. uh, within the African community itself, do you see um, the, a lack of initiative or do you see a, a sense of the desire of starting something themselves? So I'm talking about entrepreneurial culture mm-hmm. within the African uh, diaspora community, mm-hmm. where in the absence of uh, employment or integration within the workforce, do you mm-hmm. see a sense of, well, we would start something ourselves despite mm-hmm. the fact can't have a job within uh, the workforce. Do you see that kind of an effort?
1: Well, what I I see is that, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, people who create opportunity from themselves um, if they're not given that opportunity, right? Right. Um, So that is something that you do see. Uh, I do think that, you know, obviously being an entrepreneur is not for everybody, right? Uh, and I also think that, you know, a lot of companies can benefit from having talent within the organization. Um, so it, it can go both ways. Um, I think, you know, being an entrepreneur comes with a certain mindset, a certain grind that uh, is also very important. Uh, you need to make sure that, you know, you are, you know, learning from your mistake. Uh, you are upskilling your skills, um, because typically in, you know, a working or a corporate uh, settings you have opportunities to develop yourself, right? Or the company will facilitate something. In entrepreneurship, you know, you need to figure those things out. So right. you need to also hold a mirror, you know, once in a while in front of you and say, hey, what am I good at? What am I less good at? And who can I partner up with when it comes to this uh, thing I'm trying to do? So I, I, see, I see both ways. Uh, for me, it's much more uh, about um, taking a step back and saying, you know what? looking at the last maybe two or three years you know the company that i've worked for i think i can make a bigger impact uh uh, by you know starting for my own bringing my perspective bringing my insight that i've gained over the last 20 years in in helping uh companies um and and i like i think also i'd like to do a few things so one thing is you know the recruitment part of it the other one is you know being a thought leader or or, uh, speaking uh, and sharing my experiences the other one is mentoring and coaching. So, you know, sometimes you're going to do everything once at a, a company and you try to, you know, uh, um, uh, do it. In, in my case, now that I'm an entrepreneur, I have the flexibility of doing different things at the same time. So, um, you know, I just started my journey a few months and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, I think, I think if, if, you, if you think that it's something good for you, for sure, try it. But also, it is very important that uh, to realize that your skill set that you have can be an added value for companies as well.
0: Yeah, because as an entrepreneur, you just set up the GLN uh, recruitment, right?
1: The,
0: yes. The yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. So what, what what would you define as, say, three key drivers in building the entrepreneurial culture?
1: Um, you know... I was talking to a friend of mine, and we said that, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, you need to always be able to perform uh, at your peak. Um, Obviously, you know, being an athlete in the past, I'm always using terminology linked to that. So it's about training, it's about failing, it's about, you know, then trying again. I think that's very important uh, uh, thing to have. I think also being able to network uh, and and utilizing uh, your network uh, as well. Um, and and I would say, you know, a reflection. So knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at, how do you try to improve that? and uh, How do you utilize other people uh, to do so? If you're looking to a lot of successful people, they always talk about having a team, right, around them. Uh, and the team comes with different perspectives. Uh it's not all the same in terms of uh, you know, maybe cultural backgrounds, you know. Uh if I look at myself, I have you know three people that are very incremental in, in my building my business. Uh one guy I definitely need to introduce you is Denny Touya. He's currently a CMO for different companies right now. Obviously, my wife, very important. She's the backbone of the family. Uh, and I also have another lady called Axel, um, who's who's my mentor. So everything I do, you know, we talk to these three people. And we make sure that you know they're giving me, the, or oh, they're asking me the right questions. They're challenging me, and also coming with things maybe I've not thought through myself. Right?
0: I always say that a good coach needs to have coach, and and that is def- <laughs> that is definitely what I say. You know, as a mentor, if you say you don't have you don't have a mentor or a coach, then um, I'm sort of well, stay a distance because <laughs> you can't you can't see yourself, uh, you can't be taught, you can't be advised. So why do you want to advise someone else?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: a good one. I think that the entrepreneurial culture within the African community. Do you see? Do you see? Um, do you see any initiative? I mean, Omek, for example, is setting a really good standard mm-hmm. in terms of how we can build that that sort of entrepreneurial culture mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the Netherlands. What are some of the challenges do you see uh, that the African diaspora community faces that you think is something we can we could address?
1: Well, I think one of the things and, and, and I have to start with myself is that, you know, if you if you grow up in the, the western part of the world where there's a lot of involvement around processes and administration, sometimes leg off uh, in, let's say, the African continent is real challenging. Um, so I think, you know, that needs to be improved. What I've seen over the course of the years, and I've been fortunate enough to have family members who have studied in in uh, abroad or in Europe or in the U.S. Uh, and then go back uh, uh, and try to contribute, you know, physically being in, in, uh, in Ghana or in, in Africa. So there's a lot of talented individuals also going back to the diaspora and trying to make an impact. And I think that's very important. Um, as I start my journey, I 100% know that there is going to be a point in time where I'm going to collaborate with a lot of, you know, uh, brothers and sisters who are currently in Africa right now. Um just by sharing my experiences and vice versa. Uh, or or doing business. Uh, because I also think that you know Africa is a continent where uh, there's a lot of opportunities and potential. And typically when you gain some kind of experiences, you know, you want somebody to, you know, leverage. If you talk about a lot of companies who are in the business transformation, I'll say as Africa has been in the business transformation for a few years now. Yeah, uh, when you need people to help you, you know, move to that next step. And I think a lot of people in Africa, but also a combination of you know African diasporas who are now in in Europe, who have gained insights, you know, in either entrepreneurship, either in the corporate level, either in in the education system, can also bring something back. Uh, and, and and we talked about this in the summit as well. You know, how can you uplift? Uh, others I think that's also very important um, to to uplift others Uh, because at the end of the day you know if you can do that uh, it's only going to be benefiting for the people who are coming behind us Um, and I think that's very important. Right do you see
0: a difference I think last time we kind of we discussed a little bit about uh, the thinking of the first generation
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, uh, the second generation uh, like yourself myself and others who um sort of the young the young professionals and the professionals of this time who are thinking of going back home well that maybe is already one example of the difference between say the first generation and the second generation do you see any um what to you is the the major uh, differences or points of um say points of conflict or points of agreement between say the first generation like mm-hmm. your and and and, and yourself
1: I think, I think the first generation one is, is uh, uh, well, obvious to me, you know, and, and I hope you know uh, a lot of people can agree or can uh, uh, um, see this as well. Is that you know you we were brought up in a situation where you, you have to listen to your elders, <laughs> right? Um, whether they're right or wrong, you have to listen to them. Uh, so you have to take it, and then at some point you may disagree. But I think th- that's also a very challenging one, especially if you are brought up in a different country where you have gained different perspective. Um, oh. um, uh, now I can, you know, have a conversation with my dad and bring my perspective. But I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago was a different conversation. Although he may be wrong, uh, he was not going to admit it. <laughs> um, yeah, but, it. <laughs> uh, yeah but, but now, you know, um, um, having experiences and also teaching them to have a different perspective or open into receiving different perspective is very important. And I think for us, you know, second generation is that you um, have different insights already. So the way I see is, you know, when you have different insights, you should be able to make a better decision or you should be able to improve your situation. Um, I think for me, my parents, when they came to the Netherlands, you know, they made an effort into understanding the educational system Right. So obviously having kids going to school, how does it look like? Um, What do they need to learn? Um, uh, My dad always showed up in, you know, in my reporting. He wanted to understand from my teacher, how am I on track? What can he do to support So he was a very advocate when it came to education system. So I think that's something that we also second generation need to foster because education is a very important uh, vehicle, in my opinion. It brings you at least to a certain uh, level where you can at least read and write and then you can make decisions also on your own. Um, And then finding a passion in something that you can do is also a big plus. And I think the conflict uh, that we have is, you know, not not being able to you know have the space to also share your opinion or point of view I think that that can be a challenge, especially if you look at the two generations
0: right right and 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 the first generation they 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 are never really- co- they never compromise uh on these issues in terms of well these are the values that we want never forget that you are ghanaian, never forget that you are <laughs> yeah. where it is that you're from, no matter whether or not you are living here for the last twenty years there there is always there's always a reminder of knowing where you come
1: from. I think that's important in in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's that's very important. For me, what I say now is that, you know, my mother is Ghana and my father is uh, the Netherlands. I cannot choose between the two, right? Uh, uh, I know who they are, uh, right? I know what they told me, uh, what they both told me, you know, the good and bad, and I'm trying to utilize that into, you know, whatever I do nowadays. So that's how I, you know, that's the saying that I use now, in terms of, you know, having a mom and dad and and the, the, the not and, and being, you know, my mom and dad.
0: Right, right. Hey, we are at the one hour mark and I have some, we're coming to the close of it and I have some more lighthearted questions. Okay. So one thing you wish you had known when you started your career?
1: Oh, one thing I wished. Um, I think, wow, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I think that that you know having a career in a corporate space that it can be tough, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and you know having more role models at a younger age, right. uh, or looking for role models at an uh, uh, earlier stage of my career who can help me navigate.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that that's something that a lot of people would share. You know, when you started your career, you wish you you really had had some mentors at the start. Or wish you had actually <laughs> had the ability to listen to mentors if they were there, yeah. because the, the uh, sometimes our our weak point when we start, you know, in terms of taking advice from those that have already passed, we think that we already know so much that is there. Yeah. And what has been your biggest challenge, and what did you
1: learn from it in your journey? Ooh, my biggest challenge. Um, I think I think my biggest challenge has been that I. Um, I'm somebody who really trust uh, um, trust is very important to me. So I'm somebody who trusts this very quickly. Uh, and I've learned uh, the hard way that you know trust can be broken. Uh, and, and uh, uh, that, is, that is something I really learned, I'll say the last five, six years. Uh, so it, it's given me a different uh, is that you need to build a relationship uh, before the trust comes. Um, um, but trust is very important to me as well, and uh, you know I take people for the face value. Uh, I try not to have a lot of perception uh, uh, and then I try and fill in the blanks a little bit later. but that is I think that was the biggest learning uh, for sure
0: and that uh, that has really been helpful in your in your job as a talent acquisition uh, broker as well of
1: course yes, yes I've, I've I've learned to ask a little bit more questions um, uh, before you know trusting. Uh, and not always go by face value. So I think that's, that's something that I really learned the last five years, for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. What advice would you give to, say, a young uh, entrepreneur or a young uh, human resource professional? It's, who wants to get into human resource? Yeah. I
1: think, I think my, my the first advice is that, you know, talk to a few people who are doing the job. So, you know, whatever um, direction you want to go, um, talk to people who are doing it. Uh, Because they can give you a lot of insights uh, and then based on those insights, try and formulate, you know, what is good to do. Um, I learned, you know, also a long time ago to make sure that, you know, you always present your best self. Um, So because at the end of the day, people are always, you know, um, uh, uh, people are having perceptions of who you are. So make sure that, you know, whenever you have to present yourself, you're presenting your, your best self. uh, And also, it's your work. You know, when you do work, make sure you do your best work because your work will speak for itself. So those are, I'll say, the two things that I really um, uh, would give as an advice to uh, a lot of people. And um, you know, I can add more things about networking, having a mentor. um, uh, Those those things I can definitely throw in there as well. But you know, make sure that you you present yourself in the best possible way. Uh, know what you are articulating. Uh, if you're not a subject matter on a topic, say, hey, I don't know. Do your research and then come back. So that, that's what I would say. And one last interesting question.
0: What's the one thing in human resource development no one is talking about today?
1: The one thing nobody's talking about today. Ooh. I, think, I think, you know, uh, the use of analytics. Uh, I think uh, analytics has been underutilized within HR for a long time. Uh, there are some companies who are doing a good job. So using analytics to, you know, predict, forecast, you know, population, uh, uh, really analyzing and working with leaders within the organization um, um, to make sure that, you know, even from a developer standpoint, uh, uh, people are getting the right development that they need. Um, so I would, I would say, you know, the use of analytics uh, is, is, is huge uh, and is underutilized within, uh, within the human resource uh, for sure.
0: That 's a very interesting aspect that is that seems strangely missing, especially now that you mentioned earlier that there is a redefinition of um, the way human resource work uh, needs to be done and can be done because of the and the fact that a lot of a lot of uh, work is moving online, but that does not change the fact that work will still be done face to face that seems to be strange that that aspect is not um, taken seriously in within the field within your yeah and and I think it it has to do
1: with investments you know a lot of companies sometimes are not invested in the right tooling to make sure that you know that those uh, analytics can be done Um, it's not always cheap per se but you need to also uh, think that is very important Uh, and what you see is that you know even global companies sometimes work on different platforms which is not easy to make sure your analytics is you know uh, seamless uh, I've seen some changes happening with a lot of companies, you know, moving to one platform where all the information from employees can be, you know, tracked uh, and inserted, which will help them make better analysis. So, um, um, the companies who who want to take uh, who want to make a difference are definitely going to use that. Um, and and I think you know, again, the culture aspect um, of you know any company and uh, that people want to be part of for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think talk, talking about analytics as well, that could help even you know, in identifying um, possible talent within the diaspora uh, community. And I like what Kemo um, uh, did with, with Omek, with the demographic um, analytics, what he did.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: For yeah. the fork organization of the community, a, a brilliant way of sort of creating that kind of a demographic that can actually pinpoint specific groups within the diaspora community for which you can work at identifying possible talents. I think yeah.
1: that's useful. Yeah, and, and I think he's smart already by including it in the platform right now because as the platform evolves, there's going to be an important element, you know, the analytical piece. You know, if you look at, you know, let's say if he reaches 100,000 talented individuals, where are they originally from? Where are they located? What are their profession? How many years of experience they have? These are all interesting things um that is that he could potentially provide insight in and that's going to be very key as his business also evolves yeah absolutely there is a lot we
0: could talk about thanks a lot for joining me on this episode of impact mindset podcast it was a real pleasure talking with you and uh, providing my audience an excellent view on diversity inclusion and the marketplace how can people connect with you online
1: well, people, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure, uh, speaking to another brother. Uh, and you know, this is the way that we help each other, uh, and we evolve and we learn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so people can catch me on LinkedIn, Um Kobe and Poma. Uh, and you know, my email address is also, uh, in there. And you know, I always connect with people. I'm always open to sharing insights. So, you know, if, if you need anything, just, just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn
0: absolutely thanks a lot and there'll be well i'll post the uh the full episodes on impact dot uh, and with your link in context and for yeah for details can join you on the initiative that the company that you've launched of course and uh, recruitment will have some you can plug that on on the website as well
1: We'll do thank you it's
0: an absolute pleasure Kobe. thanks a lot
1: thank you for having me You for
0: listening to Impact Mindset, where we build a community of relentless entrepreneurs, I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay informed and visit our website on impactmindset.com and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at von Bruno15, on Twitter and LinkedIn at von Bruno. If you are interested in private coaching and courses on startup strategy, ideation and concept development contact me via podcast at impactmindset.com or visit my website at vonbrunner.com